Welcome back to the Retro Nomopod, nostalgia and pop culture podcast where we discuss things from our past, present, and future. As always, I am host number 1.3, version 6.9.420. My name is Toby, and across this beautiful Discord server of ours, I always have my right-hand man with me. What's going on, Rick? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's, I mean, you're like host number one, and you know, come to find out, I'm like host 69 because you've gone through a lot more hosts to like really nail this thing down. And luckily, through all the auditioning and stuff, I finally nailed the role as the co-host of the Retro Nomopod. <laughs> so you know, things are going good, especially since we're 44 episodes in, and we're we're you know, we got our groove going, and we're doing our thing. You know, the the thing is, is I I like don't think i can fire you yeah i mean it's it's hard to fire someone from something that isn't really a job or we make money on or (laughs) anything else like that it's like oh wait you mean you're gonna free up some more time for me like all right bro way to fucking threaten me you know (laughs) exactly uh yeah dude it's uh it's been a crazy week it's been crazy like week and a half yeah sadly rick and i both have day jobs and that day job turns into a night job and then all I want to do is sleep. It, it's a real that's all, problem. That's all we can do. We get off work. We go make dinner. You know, we put the kids to bed, and then that's it. Like, oh, I got to go to bed so I can make money. So, unfortunately, this isn't our job. This is just a really great hobby that yeah. maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday this could be. Yeah, if it, at some point it doesn't <laughs> cost us money to do, like, that would be, oof, that would be yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> But for the time being, I'm happy to do it. I don't care. Look, I could spend my money on worse things than the podcast. I have spent my money on worse things than the podcast. That's for sure. Oh, do not get me wrong. For those of you guys <laughs> not watching the live video, I have new Thai Beanie Babies sitting directly behind me. <laughs> so problems have been had. <laughs> well, let's get into it with the weird question of the week. Um you're trapped in a zoo. What animal do you eat first? What animal do you keep as a companion? Uh, so, so this is tough. What What's the outside of the zoo scenario? What's my time frame of being trapped in the zoo? Oh, I didn't even. I see. I didn't even think that far. I just figured I, you'd have to be there long enough to be like, well, shoot, I got to eat something. Yeah. Right, I mean, like three. I was going to say, like, there's a difference between like you're stuck here for the foreseeable future. And you're stuck here for like a week and a half. <laughs> you know? Because yeah, um, the animal that I choose to fucking murder is is going to be very dependent on how much time I have to survive. That's very true, right? If you're there over the weekend, you're just going to be like, all right, that parrot should be good. Yeah. Versus, oh, man, I might be here for the rest of life, life so I need to uh, chop up an elephant so that way I can... Yeah, exactly. So, so scenario, we'll say a year minimum yeah right um i so okay this was a weird question because of that because i don't want to like kill the big animal first you know like i don't want to have to store hippo meat like i want to save that but at the same time i also want to save like the animals that are very good at like reproducing i'll tell you the one thing that i'm not gonna fucking eat are the monkeys i'm just not gonna eat the monkeys yeah yeah you know so i I also don't want the fucking monkeys as my companion you know, if I'm going to have a companion, I'm going to have a motherfucking companion. And it's probably a Bengal tiger or something. I'm going to walk around this yeah. fucking zoo like Mike Tyson. 
fucking <laughs> just <laughs> sick my my fucking tiger on food. But my my thought process is that I would have to go for the birds first. Mm-hmm. So like I'm like I'm eating an ostrich probably pretty fast. There you go. Like between the eggs and the big ass bird. Yeah. And it's kind of pointless. Like the bird's kind of pointless. But like I I have to save I have to save certain things, you know? Like I'm not going to kill the elephant first. I'm not going to kill the giraffe first cuz I, I just I can't do anything with it. And some of them you're not going to get much from. Like you're saying the monkeys, it's not like you're going to get a lot of whatever from them. You're going to, you know, be like, eh, "All right, that's all right." But like birds seem like the most familiar where you're just like, "Okay, I'm going to have some turkey or chicken." Exactly. I'm going to ease into this wild animal. But like then again, they have like reindeer and shit, you know, reindeer just venison. It's like if I'm going to eat something, like I I can at least <laughs> eat that, you know, like I know I can eat that. Um, Capture those pe- peacocks that they constantly have just roaming freely through the Denver Zoo. You're just like, I'm going after them because they're loud and annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. It's It's one of those things where. I don't want to sit on a bunch of meat, but I'm also not going to, again, I'm not going to eat the fucking monkeys. Like, it just feels weird. What about you? What do do you go for first? For me, it's, I would definitely go for, like, boy, that stuff. I think I'd do the birds first. It has to, right? Because, like, you know, most familiar, maybe the easiest to kind of know what you're doing when you're cooking them or whatever. And then for a companion, I would probably go, like, a bear Something that's intimidating enough where people won't mess with you right away. But then at the end of the night, you could also just cuddle up with it. And you're like, oh, there's a nice warm blanket. Is there other people in the zoo that I have to fight with? That's a good question. I didn't think about that either. Again, the scenarios change with, you know, outside influence. Like if I have like a, like a, like I said, a hoodlum ass kids that are trying to take over some of my territory. I might not eat the monkeys, but I eat the fucking people. We talked about this. Like I I eat a person. Yeah, it, yeah, might come to that first if if people are trying to mess with your your zoo that you uh, took over. Would you keep the animals in their cages? Yeah, fuck oh. yeah, this ain't Noah's <laughs> Ark. Like, <laughs> no, bro. The most I'm doing is like I need to, you know, like I need to kill a giraffe or something. Yeah, like I'm mixing a wild animal. I don't know. See, then you have to like retrieve your giraffe from the tigers, and that's. It's probably not an easy feat. <laughs> well, yeah, once you release some of these more deadlier ones, you're like, fuck, now I'm just fighting for the food. Yeah, I let the penguins walk free, I think. You leave penguins alone? Yeah, one, maybe not like... necessarily alone, but I'm not going to, like, coop them up in the pen necessarily because I'm not worried sure. about a penguin. Maybe those big macaroni king penguins or whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> like, that little some bitch is, like, four foot tall and stout. Like, I, I, you, get stay, you get to lock up. But those little bitty cute ones? Yeah, yeah, little yeah. belly flops off the rocks. Like those guys yeah. that you fucking run free, bro. Just run free. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's situ- situational, situational dependent for sure. Like what I'm eating and what I'm not right off the bat. But you, the problem is, is people I think would want to go straight for the big animals and you got to leave the big animals for the time being. But I don't yeah, want to eat that... all the birds because that's where I'm getting like breakfast food from, you know? Well, you're also like you know, you have to kind of care for the animals while you do it as well, because you can't just let them rot in the cages. You kind of have to take care of them 
and maybe as they fall off because you run out of resources to take care of said animal maybe you just go oh there goes this water buffalo guess that's what we're having for dinner tonight you know yeah yeah maybe and is it just me do i have like a a clan i imagine it's you and like like your your close-knit friends that you've talked about like well if we had to survive you know, bro, if that's the case. Meetings. We're riding around polar bears like month one. You know? Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna look like a fucking clan out of Waterworld, but in a zoo. You know, <laughs> I come out on the back of an elephant with fucking tigers pulling it, looking like Jim Carrey from uh, Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the other thing I think I would eat pretty quick, just because fuck them, is I would probably eat the snakes. Because, like, Ooh. you just walk in there and fucking chop the head off of one of the anacondas and make you a good old rattlesnake roast of some sort. Yeah. I think that's a good play. Watch out for those bones. They'll get you. Yeah, well, at this point, I'm stuck in a zoo. It's the last thing I'm worried about is choking on a fucking snake bone. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in a zoo. <laughs> we've, got, we've got bigger issues <laughs> than worrying about what I'm going to eat and how I'm going to eat it. I'm just going to eat it. Um... To change the subject, but kind of stay on the same subject, I played something with some semi-what-could-be-zoo animals this week. Uh, I didn't get to play very many games lately, but I did get to play the new Nintendo Switch game, Pokemon Unite. Heck yeah. Uh, This game ended up being a lot better than I expected, especially because it's a MOBA. uh, Sort of like League of Legends or a Dota, Heroes of the Storm, if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, But it's Pokemon. You, you, You get to choose... Your Pokemon and run around and fight a MOBA and evolve and go from Charmander to Char Dragon and just go fuck shit up because they have those in there. But it's so cool, man. That's it, such a cool looking game. That, again, the concept and it being free, there are some pay to win elements to it. Um, but the choice of Pokemon, how they, they play the game, but the biggest the biggest win that they did and, and people that have played MOBAs will really sympathize with this or, or understand where I'm coming from. But no matter what, the games are only 10 minutes long. Whereas like in a League of Legends or a Dota, you know, these are 45, 50 minute adventures every fucking time. Pokemon Unite has a 10 minute timer. When the 10 minute timer runs out, the game's over. Does not matter. Yeah. Um, but it ended up being really great. It's, it's free on the Switch. If you guys want to check out uh, some game plan, just get some information. We do have a video up on the YouTube right now. Um, so go check that out, Retronomapod on YouTube. Uh, the other game that I played this week and I wanted to talk about real fast is a game called Atomicrops. Uh, this game came out on Game Pass. And it's an over-the-top, like, farming plants versus zombies simulator game. All in, like, 16-bit sprite graphics. And it's a, it's a cool concept. Again, the game, it's kind of like a roguelite where you're just doing runs, trying to get through a year. And and the concept of the game is you're the only farmer in this area that can plant food, and you have to grow enough food for the town as well as protect all this food that you're growing from the mutant shit coming, grubs and and whatnot. Um, But if you have Game Pass, it's free on Game Pass. I think you can get it on Xbox and on the Xbox game app. I'm playing it on PC. On mouse and keyboard, I think it is definitely built as a like twin stick style game. Mm. Like it's it's probably a better option on controller. Uh, it would be it's a great Xbox game. It'd be a great Switch game at that. Uh, but I do highly recommend that there'll be a video out for that later on this week. 
you guys will see that later. But I did want to bring it up because it was like a random game that I just happened to download on uh, off a of Game Pass just because I like the colors and the title screen. And it turned out to be great. It hooked me pretty hard for over the last week. So I, I will say, again, that's a Tama Crops. You guys can catch that out on Game Pass. Uh, but if I had to choose between two, if you have a Switch, play Pokemon Unite. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah, they both look really good. If I had a Switch, it'd make it easy. I'd play the Pokemon, but I might have to download the Atomic Crops and try that guy out and lose it, lose some lose some hours. Yeah, you get it. it. It's crazy because it just like you start to figure out a little bit of strategy every run that you fail. So like towards the end of it, when you're getting into like, it's based on seasons. Like you pretty much run like three days. You over the course of three days, you grow and 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 fight stuff, and then on day three, you pretty much have a boss battle. And so you start mm. in spring, you hit your boss battle, you go to summer, boss battle, fall, winter. Uh, so you're just trying to get through the year as well as like growing all this crops and stuff. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very interesting strategic game because it's you can venture out away from your farm to get better upgrades for your farm, but the longer you're away, the less crops you're growing. So it's like a real give and take on trying to figure mm. out what's best and when. And I, it, again, it's one of those things that when I downloaded it, I was like, oh, this is okay. This is getting better. Like, motherfucker, I'm going to beat this goddamn game. Like, I, it's going to happen. Like, I'm going to do it. So, again, I suggest it. And especially for you, you got an Xbox yeah. like, and Game Pass. Just download it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Give it a shot. Um, as per the usual these days, um, I've watched some stuff and uh, I found a new podcast to listen to because, you know, you can never have not have too many to listen to because we only have so many hours in the day. So let's just add another thing to listen to. Yeah, it's better than listening Uh, to people most of the time. I mean, what's nice about podcasts or at least good podcasts is that when it's a conversation between two people who know them, so know each other so well, like it feels like you're just in their conversation. You feel like, oh, these are my friends like having a conversation with them where you're just sitting there politely, just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to listen to you talk. (laughs) And that's kind of what this one feels like. It's the uh, Friendship Onion. Uh, It features Dominic Moynihan and Billy Boyd, who you might remember as a couple of hobbits. I was going to say, yeah. I I know uh, Moynihan, but the other one, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's uh, Marion Pippin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You nailed it. Um, So... I don't, it's just super enjoyable because a lot of what they do is they deep dive into like fun things that happened on the set of like Lord of the Rings or just life travels and like they drop name drop all the time of people that they've interacted with and it's just kind of a fun little and they've had guests on like Elijah Wood and Richard Taylor who for those who don't know is the guy who basically created the Weta uh, workshop who basically do everything from miniatures to armory to everything for lord of the rings basically they were a part of they also do digital effects they worked on chronicles of uh, narnia as well fantastic is the podcast based around lord of the rings or is it just happen to be those two and they end up incorporating a bunch of lord yeah i mean lord of the rings pops up in every single episode it's just kind of a day in the life of most of these two friends who've been friends since the lord of the rings that's how they became friends because they worked on those movies seven years together that's bound to do that for you a hundred percent yeah especially with such a close relationship in the movie exactly so um it's great check it out it's everywhere you can find podcasts i mean they probably don't need any kind of bump from anybody but it's just a great listen 
Um, but moving on to movies we've watched, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. It's on Netflix. Um, it stars. I've heard about this one. Yeah, it stars Karen Gillian um, from like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, um, as well as Doctor Who. For those who are in the know, she was a companion to Doctor Who, uh, and also has Lena Headey in it, Carla Gugino. I mean, the cast in this is phen- phenomenal. Uh, basically, I'll give the tagline for it, uh, or at least the synopsis. Three generations of women fight back against those who would take everything from them, which seems super like, what? But what's cool about this is very like John Wick, where they like introduce this underground world of like mercenaries. Huh. And, but they like do it in a way where like it's kind of a library where you go to the library and say, if you need guns, you'd be like, Oh, give me a Jane Austen or a Virginia Woolf or these kind of things, and like it'll be a different kind of gun and stuff. But you know, pretty straightforward action shooter, shoot 'em up, great action in it. Um, it's completely like women driven, women empowered. Boom, they can do it too, and it's great action on top of that. Some of the stuff there's a fight scene in a bowling alley that is like, hey, that's pretty cool to watch. It, out, like, and this is a Netflix original, right? Yeah, this is all Netflix, so it's like. You know, if you got Netflix, check it out. Um, super great, super fun. Um, next movie that we watched was The Jungle Cruise, which just came out this week. I, I mean, it's The Rock, have, right? It's The Rock and Emily Blunt. What more can you say? I yeah. mean, it's based off the Disneyland theme ride of the same name. Um, it's one of those. Well, how do you make a story out of this? And luckily, with The Jungle Cruise, there is kind of a sh- kind of a story, and it's real fun because. Uh, uh, the Rock tells bad jokes through the whole thing, which is fantastic. You know, The Rock telling dad jokes is one of the best things in the world that you could possibly know you didn't know you wanted, but you get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, you're not wrong. Check that. I mean, it's great. It's it's one of those fun, like, it harkens back to, like, The Mummy or some of those other kind of adventure, action adventure kind of, oh, we've got to find this thing because it's going to help do this i don't want to give away too much since it is still so new but basically emily blunt plays a doctor who's trying to find these uh what are they called tears of the amazon or something like that or tears of the nile basically it has healing properties and she wants to get it to help medicine throughout the world and the rock is basically the the boat driver who gets hired on through is this ways. a pg anaconda it, yeah yeah that's a good yeah. way to but like they do things with some of the villains in it that are very unique to the story and very kind of cool and there's some i don't i don't want to give away too much because it is very cool there's a lot of cool twists and turns highly recommend it um yeah huh yeah Yeah, we're gonna talk about some disney stuff i'm gonna get your opinion here uh before we start this new segment yeah um and then uh the last movie we watched was freaky uh movie came out last year um it's basically a body swapping movie but done in a slasher style so think friday the 13th but switching bodies between a final girl and a uh serial killer so it's it, the hot uh, oh oh this is you know, um give me the cast on this one i think i remember seeing uh, this. vince vaughn Catherine yes. newton celeste o'connor celeste o'connor yes it is it is everything you want a body switch movie to be. And Vince Vaughn, like, he is a big enough dude where you're like, yeah, he could be a fucking killer. Like, 100%. That's a monster of a man. But then him, I like when big dudes, like, act a little like, you know, like, oh, I switched with a female. So it's super, like, you know, they're. It's uh, him it's being so, super feminine. 
Is yeah. It, did you ever see the hot chick with the? Uh... Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> Jessica, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, and there are there is a scene exactly like that where he's like, "No, it's me," but yeah, he's a serial killer. So of course, the two friends are like, "Get away from us," kind of thing. So super fucking great. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't say more about it either. Like this is fantastic movie yeah i um, remember seeing the previews for this one but never actually saw when it came out so it's it's good to know that it's on hbo and i'm i might have to watch this one this week for sure yeah that that one's definitely much because hbo max uh jungle cruise disney plus but you got to play the premiere access for it or it's out in theater so that one you probably can hold off on until they release it if you're the type who'd rather watch it at home because uh, they'll have it on disney plus here in probably four months give or take yeah and so, then Gunpowder Milkshake is on Netflix. Yeah, I'm going to have to... The Gunpowder one I heard was really good. Freaky, I definitely want to watch out of all these. Mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise, on the other hand, I, it is what it is. Like you said, if it comes out on Disney+, Plus, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, but this brings me up to uh, the first news story that I, I do just... I want to touch base on because it's, it's kind of interesting because you and I both have different viewpoints on what we would want out of this scenario. Um. And with the simultaneous release of Disney Plus or Disney movies on Disney Plus and in theaters, we mm-hmm. just got the first of what sounds to be a couple lawsuits coming yeah. down against Disney. Uh, in this past week, Scarlett Johansson came out and sued Disney over the release of Black Widow onto Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it is in her contract that some of not only her money is based off of the box office sales, but it's contractually contractually agreed that it would not be a simultaneous release, and Disney went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now I've heard that Emma Stone is mm-hmm. coming out with Cruella, uh, and that some of the directors and stuff are not happy about this. And as a non-theater goer, somebody who doesn't go out uh, to the theater, I, personally, I would rather these day one releases but for you, someone who still enjoys the theater experience, how do you think this plays out? Because I know a lot of these places, Warner included, have said that they're going to stop this simultaneous day day of release uh, later on this year. But coming from a, a monetary standpoint for the actors, it's a great idea to stop it. But coming from a you know a st- person who pays for all the streaming services. I would rather have it personally. It's going to be the better option for me to watch some of these new releases. For so I sure. just kind of like, want to get your opinion on that. I um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing, like because it is like if it's part of their contracts, it's like well then yeah, you should honor that for what it is. And yes, there's exterminate exterminating circumstances that are like yeah, COVID's going on and the pandemic and all this stuff. So it's like this is kind of the best option for them to get these movies out without keep pushing back to the point where it's like. They release them so far out that nobody cares anymore. Yeah. Um, Black Widow um, was supposed to come out last year. Yeah, last and... year before any of the Disney Plus uh, yeah. uh, TV series. So the the timeline gets shaky, even though with this movie, it's based back when Civil War came out. So that was based a while ago. I think, I mean, for me personally, I think it's going to change the dynamic of these contracts because it is going to be, especially since like Disney's making as much money you know, for some of these opening uh, box offices from not just the theaters, but also the Disney Plus subscriptions, they're making as much money off of doing both, especially with the premium access where they're making the money either way. 
it's either okay they're paying thirty dollars so they can watch it at home or they're paying thirty dollars to see it in the theater either way we're getting money so from that aspect i could see disney doing that and just being like okay you're going to get points on the either end streaming's a little harder to i don't know monetize two people i guess i don't know it, it's, it's a different it's a different animal <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where disney probably makes more money if you have people that sign up for that premiere service and stuff like that like in the long run yeah. but like the bulk of the money when it comes to everyone else is coming from those theater sales those box office sales you know so it'll be real curious i think you're right like the contracts are just going to end up changing yeah and it it makes me wonder too because again you got a person like me who i didn't go to the theaters pre-covid anyway like i very i saw very few movies in theaters in the last five years but now like after covid is people have gotten so used to that streaming option that i don't think it'll turn out for the box offices the way that they want it to if and when they do stop that stream service like, I don't think people are going to rush back to the theaters to go see yeah. these things, like, day one. They basically have opened up the floodgates to it, and there's no closing it completely, where it's like, I, I get their idea of wanting everybody to go back to the theater, but not everybody wants to. Everybody's like, I kind of like the convenience of being at home, so why would I want to? So, this is what I think, because this kind of this kind of opens up a really nice door to reassess a timeline for what we've been previously used to. What if it turns out that this is going to be like, hey, you know, we're not going to drop these on the streaming service day one, but we're also not going to keep it in theaters for longer than, you know, say three weeks. Like the first three weeks of release are going to be movie theater only. Like if you want to yeah. see it first, boom, boom, bang, go to the theaters. But after week three, you know, we're going to release it onto Disney Plus or, sure. you know, in, in a, whatever situation that you have or whatever streaming service you have. Where instead of having to wait that, whatever it is, six months or something yeah. for it to come out, you know, on DVD or whatever it is, you just be like, hey, everyone that really wants to see it, it's in theaters for the next three weeks. If you guys don't want to go to the theaters, give it three weeks. It'll be on the streaming service then, you know. So maybe yeah, it changes I'd... the timeline. I, I wouldn't be mad at it because I can wait three weeks to see something. Yeah, especially if it's worthwhile. It just It's really going to be more for the behind the scenes aspects that as general audiences we don't see where it's like yeah you know stars like scarlett johansson or directors like chris nolan who get points on the box office sales of course they're going to be like hey you're basically taking money from my pocket and it doesn't help that disney came out and like released a a, a little uh, uh statement that was like oh well because of you know scarlett johansson wants pete being insensitive toward the pandemic plus she's already made 20 million that we paid her trying to use that against her like well you've already gotten paid more or less to kind of push their agenda more where it's like i think you're messing with the wrong person i mean it's one thing if it's a smaller actress say emma stone who yeah she's a household name but not quite scarlett johansson's level you know where she's got a bit more clout in the industry i mean hell she's done nine movies with with uh marvel at this point it's like jesus just give her what she wants like if it says to do this or say okay how much would we have expected if this would have released properly how much would you have gotten okay we'll just pay you out which is probably what's going to wind up happening or maybe not maybe she's going to write this thing to help change the industry standard to be able to say okay now we are going to do you know like your idea of 
okay, now we're going to push the, the digital release this far out and have our regular theater release for the first month. And then after the first month, then you can do premiere access or if you're HBO, you just get to watch it. So it really is an interesting thing to see what happens. Cause I mean, either way for me, I'm going to go see the movie in the theater. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's a smaller movie, like in the Heights, that's not what I'm going to pay money to go see because it's a smaller movie, but something yeah. like black widow or even Cruella to a lesser extent, it's like those I would want to see because they, they're very much like theater experiences where you yeah. want the whole thing as opposed to just being able to sit on your couch and watch. So I don't I'm interested. I think it's cool. Yeah. I, I like shake up the industry, you know? And if like, it, in the end of the day, you know, if she's proving one thing, it's like, hey, stick to the contract. The minute that yeah. a company like Disney can step away from a contract and be like, well, we're going to bend the rules over here. They're going to just keep doing it. And it's going to work, you know, not work out for these actors and actresses, you know? So if anything, she's just like, no, like, fuck you, Disney. Like, it's in my yeah. contract. Y'all broke the contract. Give me the money that I'm owed now, you know? And Disney will have to pay out for it. And as they should, because pandemic or not, like, y'all promised something. You either yeah. have to work it back into her contract in a different way, the way that y'all want to do it, or you have to stick to it. And those are your two options. Yeah. There's nothing around that. Uh, so... Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I wanted to get your opinion on it because I don't go to the theaters. It doesn't affect me in that sense, except when they do take it away from the streaming service. I'm even more or less likely to see that movie. Yeah, until I just, like a year I, from now. I don't think it's a smart play to take it away from the streaming. I think that that helps because anytime you can get people to talk about your movie, you're releasing it day of the theater release. You're getting that buzz. You're getting that oh, this movie is so great, which might for some, especially if it's HBO, where it's like, oh, dude, I saw this movie. I'm going to take you to the theater to see it. Oh, we just watched Mortal Kombat at home. I want to go see this on the big screen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, It just seems like this could be a driver to people to the theater. Well, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, we'll see. I, I don't Curious. <laughs> Curious. Well, to be a bit of a Debbie Downer, um we're gonna start this off the news kind of you know after this week man we we lost two musicians that were Jesus. pretty impactful or it's pretty wild but we thought we'd put this at the front because then at least we can kind of build up yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh dusty hill from the bassist from zz top passed away um i mean he's been with this band since 1969 zz top that's crazy for like the longest running band without a lineup change in rock history like that's incredible three dudes just doing their thing putting together yeah. a nice bluesy rock and like it's as classic rock bluesy great rock and roll that you can get yeah and, it really uh, is it, this was a bummer um i was a big zz top fan growing up because yeah. of my parents i still have all the original vinyls that my parents have that's great had um and yeah, when I heard about this one, it was it it was a bummer because it's just like they've still been touring and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, they were still active in the in the music industry. And you said sixty nine, so you're looking at fifty two years of just <laughs> murdering it with the best beards in the game, yeah. dude. The beard, like iconic beards, swinging the guitars around on their their belly buttons or whatever they were. Yeah, dude. To. Like the fact that they were in so much media, like, yeah, they were rock stars for sure, but they were also like in King of the Hill. They did yeah. two and a half men. They were in uh, uh, Back to the Future Part Three as a couple of cowboys and the band in it. Oh, like, they were in um, Bones, or one yeah. was in Bones as the dad. Like, 
it's just like it's incredible that these guys have like just made a living off of just being these awesome being cool dudes. as fuck yeah, <laughs> guys and so it's unfortunate to hear that but like what's even more incredible is that this guy was already played two um two shows into their current tour and then he was just like you know man i gotta go home and i'm just not feeling it and so he went home and and they don't know they don't have the cause for as of yet of what exactly it was but basically he went home and the band kind of was like well we got it we can't disappoint our fans so they kind of kept the tour going which just seems like something zz top would do they're like now we'll play on as much as this sucks losing our longtime friend and bandmate yeah. like they've kind of carried on and yeah you almost think but, that they'll just call it quits after the tour's over because they have obligations you know you yeah. get the obligations done and then it's like where do we call go it good here? like hey zz top's no long are we gonna just call it now that we are no longer a three-piece band completely it'd be interesting to see yeah, I'm curious on what um, they'll do there. That sucks, though. But, Rip. You know, God, until the end, he's doing the shows. Like, that's that's the point I kind of brought up that is that he was just so, like, up until, like, basically his final day, he was on tour doing music and just. Yeah, he was like, I'm tired. Know. He's yeah, like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm going to lose. And he just laid down for the eternal slave, you know? That's, oh, it's the way that we all hope we go, I'm sure. Or in a Ferrari one. doing. 200 miles an hour getting a blowjob. <laughs> Those are my two options. Sleep peacefully or just fucking sliding into hell both both feet first. <laughs> Blades, Blaze of glory right there. Just, hell ah! yeah. Uh, the second one, this one hits a bit, bit harder because uh, I actually got to meet this guy. Uh, Joey Jordanson from Slipknot and a crap ton of other bands. He's played with Metallica yeah. at some point. He's played with scar the martyr like his running list of who's he's played with is very like holy crap this guy's done it all one of the best drummers in the biz hands down uh dead at 46 which is like dude didn't make it to 50 he didn't make it to the halfway mark you know yeah it just bums me out something yeah Um, it it really sucked you know again another one he's first of all he's young and, and Because he stepped away from the band in what, like 2014? Yeah, 2013, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but he had been suffering from acute transverse mellitus, mellitus. Um, it's a rare neurological condition in which the spinal cord is inflamed, uh, which he had symptoms starting in 2010. So he tried to 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 get through it, and apparently it just went downhill from then. This was a bummer. You're 100% right, though. And people, like, you, you forget some of the stuff he did. I saw a picture online, like, the day after he passed. It was, like, no one. And it was somebody asking. It was just, like, was he really that good? And it's just a picture from a Slipknot show where he's on, like, strapped in a chair playing the yeah. fucking drums, like, upside down. And it's just, like, yeah, th- he was a maniac. And, uh. It, that that one was a bummer because it, this one happened first too. This is the first one we saw last week, and then the ZZ Top oh. one. It was just like, all right, yeah. guys, like my balls are just we're, toast. We're, like, <laughs> we don't we don't need a number three this week. Let's just call it good with these two because yeah. Jesus, these two are just titans in their respective genres of rock and roll. Like God, yeah, his drumming. Like if you if anybody ever gets a chance. Uh, Slipknot put out on their website or on their YouTube, whatever you want to check out, this really nice tribute video that just shows 
the skill. He makes it look so effortless, yet he's doing these blast beats and double bass at such a tempo that it's like mind shattering. I remember the first time we picked up their first album and like listened to the drumming in it. And it was just so insane to be like, what the fuck is this? And then you pick up Iowa and it's just that much more intense. And it's like, yeah. how does a person be able to maintain that through a whole concert to be able to do in this? And you look at the size of him and he's like five foot nothing, yet he's doing this stuff. You're like, how are you like not disappearing by the end of the uh, yeah, night dude. with the amount of energy you're putting out? Yeah, you know, he just ran fucking an Ironman marathon <laughs> on his drum kit, you know? <sighs> and then probably still went out and partied his ass off after it was all said and done. And yeah, truly. Like Yeah, no. But yeah, this one this one's bum. Again, I'm I'm glad it was peaceful or whatever they say, he passed peaceful and asleep and but to lose two in the in the you know, heavy metal genre really sucks. <laughs> Doing pop stars and bullshit lately, you know. After the Lincoln Park when I was done and we've had yeah. a decent break since Chester, so yeah, just getting older just sucks because now people around us are dying. Like people That's... that I grew up with, it's just like fuck. Fuck! Stop! Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. It's unfortunate that they're gone, but like they've got a legacy that'll live on way past, way lo- longer than any of us. So, like, at least there's that. There's the music we can go back to. There's the videos that they were a part of. You know, hell, if you're feeling frisky, go watch Rollerball because Slipknot's in that for a brief. <laughs> uh, half minute and just like be like, oh, look at that one with LL Cool J. Uh, oh, probably. I'm sure it was one of those bad remakes from the early 2000s. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was one with LL Cool J. So fucking gross. Though. God damn <laughs> this guy. But moving on from bummer news to, hey, you remember Jackass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you transition? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my um, name's Johnny Knoxville, and welcome to I'm Getting Old as Fuck. <laughs> to watch this trailer. They released a trailer for the new Jackass movie. Who who was asking for this? I mean, All nobody. All the people that were addicted to drugs during the second one. <laughs> but but who, who wants to see it? I will. Everyone. I'm there. Everyone. The the problem is, is like, I even after watching the trailer, I'm like, I kind, they brought in some new younger people or whatever, but I'm kind of feeling bad for the older guys. Where it's just like, like seeing Johnny, especially, I mean, this man is weathered and like still (laughs) just getting in there and taking shots. And it's just like, bro, like, stop, just stop. You do not have to do this anymore. And, uh, but again, I'm going to go see it. Like I'm, I'm going to see this movie. It's absolutely one of those, like. Seeing Johnny Knoxville with the wall, all white hair. Remember, he used to do like the bad grandpa stuff where he'd yeah. dress up as an old guy and do that. Now he doesn't even have to dress up. Now no. he is the old guy. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of <laughs> wild how he turned into what he hated back then. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think it's a bad idea to bring on younger guys because the problem with it is that like, they're going to, you're going to have to be like, oh, well, I got to one up these one, these young kids and they're young so they can keep going. The like, thing is, is I think I think it's real <laughs> weird for people. Like, it's just one of those things where once you do some of the stuff you're doing, it's like y'all were doing this. Like, it that shit hurts. It's not like it's just fun. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. It's funny, maybe. It's not fun. Like, <laughs> like get shot up in a porta potty full of shit Ugh. on a slingshot. Like, not that's not fun. <laughs> 
So I don't know. Even with the young guys, it's just like at some point you just got to be like, look, dude, it, this might hurt you, but it's going to hurt you a lot less than it's going to hurt me. And our insurance isn't going to pay us to do this stunt. So like, you're going to have to do this one. You're going to have to suck it up and do it for us. Um, Either yeah. So, that's that's yeah. going to be fun. <laughs> it's it, I'm definitely going to see it comes out in October. Um, one of the fun memories we had uh, during Jackass 3, we took a trip out to Nebraska for a convention and uh, my brother and I um, and Drew and my other cousin Jeff, we all went and saw Jackass 3 and we're out hacky after the movie. We went out front. We're like hacky sack and talking about the movie and got to the point that uh, <laughs> we started like, oh, remember the part where they drank the horse semen? And like, yeah. And we got Chris <laughs> to throw up, which is one of my prouder moments. Is oh. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Um, San Diego Comic-Con happened this previous weekend. Um, yes, it did. Which, again, they did a uh, Comic-Con from home because we're still in a pandemic. And Disney, or, well, yeah, Disney, Marvel backed out, DC backed out. So there wasn't a whole lot, like in that vein of things but like we still got quite a bunch to kind of go through so that's exactly what we're going to do we're going to go through some of the highlights that we pulled some of the stuff that's a bit more in our interest or at least in our worldview, i suppose but one of the top ones that really piqued my interest is that they're coming out with a chucky tv series that is uh created by don mancini who you guys might or might not know was the original writer of the first one so it's kind of cool he's connected and they also have Brad Dourif come ba- coming back to voice Chucky, which is always who's doing the voice, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Exciting so, stuff. Yeah. What, oh, they're doing it on Sci-Fi USA. Yeah. Um, did, did we, did, can, Sci-Fi's on something, right? Discovery Plus, maybe? That's a good question. Will I, I be able to watch this streaming, or do I need cable to watch this series? Maybe Maybe Hulu? <laughs> i'm curious on how they'll do this like how do you do a chucky tv show yeah yeah uh at least from a- this these pictures that they're showing they went back to like the old chucky doll and not the goddamn fucking buddy doll from the new chucky uh because if yeah, there would have been the new the new chucky doll oof. i'd have, i'd have been like not nah, get the shit if it was face if they would have tried the remake i don't think it would have flown i think that's why they went back to you know, Child's Play 2, let's kind of continue the events from yeah. there and, and, and let's go from there. Because he doesn't even have the stitch face that we know from, like, um, Seed of Chucky and Bride of yeah. Chucky and all that, too. So it's kind of fun that they really did kind of go back and, and you know, it just follows the adventures. Looks like they got a bunch of the people kind of coming through to do, who knows, some kind of bit parts for it because um, Andy's supposed to be in it at some point. Jennifer Tilly's going to be doing Tiffany, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of work all that into this tv series because it doesn't quite say when it takes place in the timeline of yeah that's how i was kind of looking at too it's just like when did they throw it in here but i just looking through the cast there's a a kid by the name of david colesmith who plays charles lee ray in three different episodes oh. so they're at least going to go back to like him as a child which that concept seems kind of cool like give me some some like backstory of charles um yeah, well, hey, it might work out if they do a little bit of, like, origin story, maybe. Yeah, it's going to be like him as a kid, like, killing cats and shit, you know? Like, I mean, it's just like... <laughs> just petty thief and all that. Like, yeah, he's just being a little asshole, so... 
I mean, I'm curious on it. I, give me more horror at this point. I'm I'm good. Bring back the slasher I, stuff. We'll never say no. That's for sure. No, expect not on this podcast, especially. Especially this podcast. Um. Uh. So they're kind of doing a. I don't want to call it a reboot, but kind of a like this homage to. Uh. Oh my God. My I just went brain dead for a second. Uh, the King of Zombies. What George is George Romero? Thank you so much. Holy God, that's embarrassing. Uh, but they're going to do this TV series, uh, Day of the Dead, based around his um, concept. Uh, awesome. I again, you know. yeah. Oh my, just another another TV series, Bruh. <laughs> just another TV series featuring zombies and people trying to survive for twenty four hours. It's pretty great. Oh my god, I just about had a heart attack. Oh my god. Y'all gotta watch the live video of this, because all I could see was one of Rick's children popping up behind him, and but my head saw me looking in a mirror, and there was someone behind me, so I looked behind me and got scared. Like, holy shit, that hurt my stomach and my chest, bro. Oh, oh god, we just talked about Chucky. Like, all I saw was someone behind my shoulder. Like, when I looked at your webcam, and I was just like, oh, my God. And it was like, <laughs> I just got sweaty. Oh, my God. Um. Anyways, Day of the Dead. Yes, like, I'm good with this. Uh, it's it's weird. I don't, It's it's so hard for zombies nowadays. And for me, like, Romero's stuff is the reason that I got into zombies as a kid. But you know, it wasn't Walking Dead. It wasn't anything like that. It was it was all of Romero's original movies. And uh so like anytime his name's attached to a story, like I'm good with that. I'm gonna watch it. And seeing it in a TV series that isn't The Walking Dead, I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm interested to see like how well it kind of sticks to like the whole Day of the Dead kind of because I know the movie and kind of what to expect from that, but like I'm interested to see what this what the show does that the movie didn't or how it follows in that kind of uh, pedigree for lack of a better word, I guess. Yeah. Like how do you, yeah. How do you make it line? Is it, you know, over the course of a day, is it over the course of a year? Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, because you could make it anything you wanted to versus what it was when we were watching it in what? 1987, whatever, yeah. whatever the fuck it was <laughs> so many years ago. Um, but yeah, I'm good with this. Like, it, I'm again, I'm it's so surprising to me that they're putting out a zombie TV show. Uh, but like it, it's got Romero's yeah. name attached to it. Like, it's gonna get decent following. At least the cult people will get it. And maybe it'll it'll differentiate itself that way from The Walking Dead. You know, um, cause... yeah, because it was a different style. Like, yeah. I don't know. I still, I should, yeah, I still need to get through all of The Walking Dead. That's something There's... I may have to do this winter. 11 seasons worth. Oh, maybe I won't do it this winter. Fuck. I think I'm only on season four. <laughs> um, moving right along. So there's a prequel coming out to a me- movie that came out quite recently um, that I don't know how they were able to turn around and have this ready in like such a weird fashion. But like um, Netflix, again, partnering up with uh, Zack Snyder is releasing a prequel movie to the Zomp... Uh, what was the okay? Army the not Dead. Army of the Dead. Good Lord, I'm having issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're re- releasing Army of Thieves, which is a prequel to, like you said, Army of the Dead. 
Uh, this one is before the events of Army of the Dead. It even says it right there. God, just read. Um, but it focuses on the German safecracker Ludwig Dieter and leading a group of aspiring thieves on a top secret heist during the early stages of the zombie apocalypse. This guy so. was one of the best parts of Army of the Dead. Like, oh, I enjoyed that, that movie um, for yeah. what it was. I like Dave Batista too, so it's hard to hate yeah. on him. But this dude was the best part of them. He that just, movie. He's like a fucking Rain Man style like yeah. <laughs> safe cracker who's just up for a challenge. He doesn't give a shit about anything else. So like the concept of this, I'm curious if they'll go into like the outbreak. Because this is a prequel. Yeah. So assumably they're doing another safe cracking in Vegas, which makes me think that this will lead into the events uh before like when Army of the Dead took place, when Vegas was already just taken over. So, like, I'm hoping that plays into that. And I imagine it will. Like, I doubt they're going to make a, a prequel to a zombie movie without some sort of zombie something. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. That, the concept of this will be cool because it's like an Ocean's Eleven style movie, but with a, a twist you already know at the end, which is zombies. Yeah. You know, so, like, fucking run it back. Like, come on, Zack Snyder. You can't do no wrong right now with me, so. That to me is the most interesting part is like this character's fun to watch and everything else. And, you know, I like a good like let's get the gang together to try to pull off this insert thing here. But like the zombie element is like, how are they going to incorporate that where it's like, oh, you know, oh, did they accidentally unleash it or whatever? So, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. See what's up. We'll see what happens. In this yeah, show. I'm, I'm good fun. with that. And that is that coming out this year? I there, I don't think there's a set time on when it's coming out, but like it says 2021, so maybe okay, maybe here soon. I almost feel like they almost shot like Army of the Dead, and we're like, you know what? I got another story we could tell. So you stick <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. We're gonna keep the sets and stuff. We're just gonna work backwards. Um, yeah, moving right along. I mean, more zombie stuff as we can only do. Robert Kirkman's no doing shit. a bunch of stuff because he doesn't like having time off. Um, so he's got the Walking Dead season finale, which is happening. They're doing finally doing their last season, which would be season eleven, and it's um, over. They're saying that it's that, over, and that's the main one. But then they also have uh, Walking Dead World Beyond. I have season no two. idea what this is. This is just another spinoff happening. That's happening. Season two is going on. Fear the Walking Dead season seven is coming. Yet another spinoff that happened midway through the walking dead and they're already um, at seven seasons it's wild that's crazy like, yeah uh invincible uh is getting at least two more seasons which is great because it's one of the better animated comic book tv shows that is out there um it's on amazon if you get a chance check it out because huh. it is great um and then oh what is redfield is this the I, the chris redfield resident evil I don't recall. Why did I put that in there? Well, I'm going to move on from that because I don't know what that was. So I'm going to talk about the next thing. Uh, Doctor Who season 13. Yeah, so um, th- th- it's the Chris Redfield okay. show. So this one's the one based off of uh, the, the Chris Redfield from Resident Evil. Gotcha. So th- that's why it's with all the zombie stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like, you're good. Um, and he's like producing it and writing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was a reason he was attached. I knew there was a reason I put it in there. I just didn't add any kind of information other than that. So, whoo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. They're they're talking about a bunch of like weird stuff on here. Um, 
Yeah, that'll be interesting. Kind of follow the journey of Chris Redfield because that guy's had a life ever since the zombie apocalypse happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's been doing some shit. Um, anyways, continue on. Uh, yeah, so Doctor Who season thirteen. Um, you know, stars the Doctor played by uh Jodie Whittaker. Um, is going to be in it, so it's just continuation of the Doctor Who. For those who are into it, that's definitely coming back here soon. Uh, super exciting new trailer was dropped that's kind of why it's pretty big news um and this is going off the reboot that happened from 2000 when did doctor uh, who start back in the 60s or 70s originally and kind of the nice thing about doctor who is his regeneration so every single time that he dies he just gets resurrected and then they bring in a new actor to play the doctor yeah that's how the show's had such a long tail but and so season yeah. 13 it would it do you watch Doctor Who? I've watched a bunch of it. Yeah, is I mean, is it good? Is it a like a sci-fi show? Is it a comedy? Is it a is it a Sherlock it, Holmes? It's all of it. Like that's the thing about Doctor Who and why it is so good is that like some weeks it'll be like the Monster of a Week shit where you like there's some alien that he has to foil in some way, and then there's like just fun like adventure episodes where it's just him and his companion or her companion going around and doing stuff and. It's such an interesting show because you can't quite just say it's this. It's sci-fi, and that's kind of where you stop with trying to describe what it is. Interesting, indeed. I'm I my my debate is: Do I like? Do I even make a push to watch any Doctor Who? It's I mean it's wild because like I mean I wouldn't start with the original original ones. That's what I was asking. Like I knew it was harder to find, but like the stuff that starts with like Chris Eccleston. Back in 2005, start with those. And I'm sure there's probably some comprehensive list out there that you'd be like, essential uh, episodes for the originals. For, for Doctor Who. What are the ones yeah. that I have to watch? Because it's an original BBC way. show, right? Yeah, and it's been going on forever. They they What they used to do back in the day with uh, BBC is they would basically take the tape that they were using to record the series on, and as soon as that series... Not series was wrapped up, but as soon as those episodes were filmed and aired, they would basically reuse that film. So a lot of those early episodes got lost because oh. they just didn't have the financing for it. So it's super weird. Interesting. Like fires and shit that's happened over the years. I have to look um, I have to look into it. I've always been kind of curious. I've just never wanted to dive into the TARDIS, you know. It's it's very cool. Like the whole kind of doctor companion relationship is a lot of fun especially when you get into like David Tennant's or Matt Smith's kind of seasons, they get a lot of fun. Yeah. Because Chris people Nichols. really take pride in their doctors. Oh yeah. Which it's is like, very who, interesting. Who, who's, who's your doctor. And you know, for Tiff and I, it's uh, the 10th doctor, Chris Eccleson. And then like people have their, Oh, mine's the 11th. Oh, mine's 12th. Oh, I identify with this one. It's, it's so much fun. Huh? Once you get into it, it's like, Oh yeah, I, I get yeah. why people are into it. Like, but it is a lot to watch. So, there's also that. Um, two things from Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, kind of their season two's coming up of that. That's just kind of like a day in the life of the crew that's not in the captain's quarters, kind of running the ship outside of it. Have, uh, um, have you watched probably, that? No, I have not. It's actually pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like a fucking Family Guy-ish style. Yeah? Like, <laughs> star, like it's just a ragtag group of the shittiest ship in the fleet. And it's just the the lower end of the shitty fleet ship. <laughs> it's pretty good, it, especially if you're any bit of a Star Trek fan. Like it definitely has its uh, reasons to watch for sure. 
that's kind of cool like i'm not the biggest star trek fan but like i appreciate what the what the whole thing stands for like a pre peaceful unity of the galaxy i like that kind of aspect where it's not like let's just fight everything they're like no let's civilly try to yeah. see if we can come about this it's funny because i uh, get as i get older um and i'm gonna have to go back because like my my parents watched like rathacon and yeah. you know it's like deep space nine and so i've been really interested in going back and restarting or i shouldn't even say restarting but starting the original star trek mm-hmm. um series and trying to go through yeah because i I mean you hear just amazing things about it and the storylines the the characters everything in it so i'm real curious i may just look at seeing like if i could watch some of the movies and just get the gist of everything (laughs) like the old movies but we'll see i'm i'm interested in the star trek story though it's it's always been good to me yeah and they've got another show coming out uh this one's more aimed toward uh, younger audiences um, called Star Trek Prodigy coming out to uh, Paramount Plus. Um, basically, it looks like it's a very similar thing. A group of teenagers steal a derelict Starfleet vessel to use it to explore the galaxy. So kind of more of the same, just kind of space exploration and a crew kind of going through and uh, exploring space and all that. So Yeah, and these ones are in the wrong little fucking lawbreakers. Little lawbreakers. Little lawbreakers. <laughs> But that's, uh, I mean, more Star Trek stuff. And I know for the the Trekkers, Trekkies, whatever the the plume they want to use out there. We just lost listeners because of you. I know, right? They're like, how dare you? I'm a trucker, not a Trekkie or whatever. All right. Uh, Let's see. Um, Yeah. So the Simpsons, they keep on trucking along, my dude. Season 33. 33 33 i'll be 32 this year yeah they've been doing it forever for longer than i am like i'm still trying to catch up to being as old as the simpsons literally been watching the simpsons my entire life yeah uh yeah they're premiering you know this september uh new episodes but what was kind of caught my fancy is the treehouse of horrors um they're going to be doing five segments instead of just the typical three where they follow kind of three stories that they grab from books or different whatever. Uh, so they're going to be doing five. And that was just kind of the big thing that I saw of it that was super, like, exciting. Yeah. You know, Look, it's The Simpsons. It's The Simpsons. I, yeah, it's, it's exactly what it was, and it's exactly what it is. I watched The Simpsons movie the other day actually going to bed. And so fucking It's good. still pretty good. Yeah, like, it's it's... It's crazy to think that when that movie came out, it was a big deal that, like, The Simpsons got a movie. And, and it was so, like, they'd already been on for, what, 20, 20, 25 years yeah, or something, something like, like that? that. Like, yeah. it's just like, and now you're just doing a movie? Okay. I mean, hey. Yeah, that one was, was crazy when it first came out. So, yeah, goddamn, Simpsons, fucking another one. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Um, for those who are a fan of Blade Runner, there's this very cool looking CG movie that's coming out um, called Blade Runner Black Lotus. This looks so and cool. it looks very cool. Um, little synopsis is animated series that takes place 17 years before Blade Runner 2049. So if you like that universe, there's a whole TV series that's coming out. Um, but you'll be able to watch a bunch of awesome stuff go down. Yeah, it says I'm it's cool. in Japanese, so I'm curious. Oh, it's coming out on Crunchyroll. 
Ooh, oh, Crunchyroll is one of the production companies. Oh. So, you know, they got some. Dude, they, I bet this is so good, man. It's going to look, it looks, it looks cool for sure. Um, but much like the Blade Runner series, it's mystery, you know, wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma. Yeah. I mean, this is fucking <laughs> Requiem for light. a Dream, you know? <laughs> but that's kind of the big stuff from San Diego. I'm sure there's some other things that, you know, uh, people would want to touch on. And there's always the Facebook page if there's stuff you guys want to chat about that you could go to our Facebook page and just hit us up on the fan page, chat about it, bring it up, say, hey, why don't you guys talk about this? And we can be like, oh, we didn't notice that. Our bad, but we yeah. certainly can. Especially because I imagine they had some sort of game release for a couple things, and I just have not got a chance to look into it. It's just been wild. Um, And my social media presence right now is nothing like i haven't looked at instagram or anything in a, a minute it's been a crazy week it's been a crazy week um the week yeah. got so crazy that i'm i love that you added this on this is one of the one things that i wrote down in my notebook this week but our this be- one, our yeah, beloved no i'm just gonna say i i just i'm such a huge fan of of trey parker and matt stone that uh-huh. like this one got me giddy i'll i'll let you you take it but i just wanted to say like this one got me excited when i saw it so local legends, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, are doing something that they have joked about on their TV show, South Park. But Costa Bonita has filed bankruptcy, as we've known throughout the years. They've had a hard time of keeping management in that thing to be able to keep that place open. Well, it looks like that they're aiming to buy Costa Bonita to help bring it back to life. Not that it's ever really gone anywhere, but it's just kind of floundered and sometimes comes back and then other times it doesn't. But it's such a like Colorado staple that um, it's awesome that these guys of all people uh, decided to jump on it and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that like for them, like, you know, that it was such a staple for them as children because of how they used it. Like with just with Cartman wanting to go to Casa Bonita and like everything that they did, there's like, it, when I heard the news that they wanted to buy it, I was like, of course they do. Like, And there's no one else in this world that deserves to own Casa Bonita, especially because they gave something that was such like a hometown staple, mm-hmm. such national viewership, that if you say that the owners of South Park have a restaurant that they've used in their show in Colorado, it's immediately becoming popular. Um, and anyone that's like around here, like they, one of the big things is like, you don't go for the food. You go for the cliff diving and the sopapillas. Like that's like the food is like, you know, you you'd have better luck just going to Taco Bell. And it's one of those things <laughs> that was the first thing they said is that they wanted to make the cave bigger. They yeah. wanted to like make the food better, like legitimate food. Keep the sopapillas. Keep the cliff diving. And so like I I'll be curious. And right now that I guess the sales in limbo because Casa Bonita's in court. They filed for bankruptcy and everything. Whatever. But it would not surprise me, and it would only disappoint me if these guys did not get the chance to buy that restaurant. I would go back to Casa Bonita. It's For sure. A, it's been I a mean, long time. I've, I've gone through, like, it's one of those weird places that we've gone to throughout the years of just like, you know where we haven't been in a while? Casa Bonita. And every time we go, we're kind of like, oh, And that's why. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's fine. It's a fun place. Um that damn monkey gorilla thing that always runs around and scared my kid, <laughs> my kid more than once. Like that's kind of the appeal of it is that like 
you don't know what lurks behind the corners and there's kind of an okay arcade in the back and like i don't it's such a wild place because it's like i don't know you'd have to experience it it's one of those places that as a denver or a colorado native like you have to experience it at least once if not twice to be like man that is a that is a special place. <laughs> oh, look, I'm not even Colorado native. And within the first year of moving to Colorado back in 05, it was like, you ever been here? And I was like, no, what is that? And he's like, you'll see. <laughs> if you got you got friends that I just met. Their family's like, you've never been to Casa Bonita? And I'm like, no, what's that? And they're like, you'll see. And then you'll it's just see. like, you have people taking you there to show you how crazy awesome this place is. And at the same time, it's like if they turn the lights on when you were in there, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, what is, oh, oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> so no, this is perfect. I hope this happens and, and they'll be better off for it. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Cause like people can see the pictures of Casa Bonita. All right. And like, you think it's this like extravagant, like dope ass stucco building nah bitch this is in the middle of a shopping plaza it's got stores on each side there's a dentist on one side with walls attached there's a fucking dollar tree and a planet fitness and it's just like it's not even a building by itself but all the pictures like cut out the sides yeah totally (laughs) just crop it in it's literally just it looks like a normal ass shopping plaza and then one corner of it it's like oh by the way we put a clock tower here you know (laughs) just custom Just to try to differentiate themselves that they're not some, you know, pawn shop or something. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, Cosmonita. That's but so it is goddamn Dave. funny, dude. God, wondrous place. I love it. Um, Yeah, <laughs> hopefully that happens. Uh, Fingers crossed. But with all that being said, we are going to get to something I've been excited about. And we alluded to the last episode a little bit, telling you that there was a trilogy on Netflix everyone needed to watch. Um. R.L. Stein's Fear Street finally came out Woo-hoo! all three weeks. And I will say, man, like I had high hopes for this movie or these movies. Um, I came in with really high hopes because it was R.L. Stein. Yeah. Rated R. You know, it had all the fixings to be just everything we wanted it to be. And uh, they met them all. I, you know, I have to say, like, I absolutely loved every one of these yeah it's it's such a feat that they did with this where they did like this tarantino-esque like let's start at the end but go back to the beginning but then also kind of not like it's really one of those like feats that i don't know like i wish more people would be ballsy enough to try something like this like if you've got a trilogy idea just do it like Ah, so fucking good. Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, Arl Stein, uh, famously for the Goosebumps series, uh, I I have the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena tattooed on me. Like I was a like Goosebumps is a big reason why I probably got into horror. You know, along with my dad, I was like, no, 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 I like this stuff. Like, let's watch some of this. Um, but Fear Street was their young adult version of Goosebumps. It was a the kids were a little bit older. Uh, the stuff was a little more dire and serious. Um, the books themselves were originally published in 89. They did a run from 89 to 99. So Ooh. my entire childhood, from the time I was born until I was 10 years old, they were putting out Fear Street books. Um, and again, it's cool. The, the Fear Street series takes place in, in Shadyside where the, these movies take place. Um, and it's it, the way that they did it, 
is, like you said, it's kind of Tarantino-esque. And we knew right off the bat, like, it, it just, it had your mind racing. Because they're like, okay, we're going to come out with the 1994 one. And I was like, all right, like, sweet. And then they're like, 1978. Okay, well, that, that seems weird. Like, you're going backwards. And then they go way backwards to 1666. So these are the three movies. But Netflix did something that I haven't seen anyone else do in that they released three great movies week after week. Like, there wasn't, you know, this could have easily been a series that they could have extended over three years. Oh, for sure. And instead, they were like, hey, starting in July, every Friday for the next three weeks, you're going to get a Fear Street movie. And the last one was two hours long. Like, they're not short, you know, made-for-TV-style movies. They are full-length feature films. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel like it, though. Like, that's the incredible thing, is that, it, like, it just ran. Like, yeah. it felt like, boom. The way and, they incorporated the old dates with the new stories and stuff like that was was super interesting. And I'm going to say, before we get into anything crazy, there are going to be spoilers in this. We're going to talk about this movie movies uh so yeah just just understand that i'll leave out some major major plot twists if i can but i'll probably get excited and you know i i did you ever read any of the fear street books growing up i i didn't goosebumps was where it was at for me and then i just kind of you know i i didn't even think about fear street so Maybe one of these days I'll go back and read a few just to be like, oh, okay. I I've got a few of them there. here. Uh, they had a lot of Choose Your Own Adventure ones, too, eventually, which was kind of... Um, I didn't read nearly as much Fair Street as I did Goosebumps. Like, I've read every Goosebumps book in the original series that they've published. I actually own most of them right here behind me. Um, but the cool thing about it is, like, even when we were kids, like, Fair Street was always that, like, more mature style R.L. Stein book. And so for them to come out especially for Netflix to be like, no, we don't want these PG 13. We don't want these PG, like make this a rated R horror movie. And what was so impressive to me about it is because it come from like a young adult standpoint, they, they made it legitimately rated R without doing the typical rated R, you know, tropes. There's no tits, you know, there is some sex and like, you see some, you know, there's, there's a lot of sex. It's a very campy, you know, no pun intended, uh, horror movie, old slasher. Uh, but what was super cool about it. And then we'll kind of get into the movies a little bit is, uh, they really took a lot from each of like the major killers that we're used to the Friday, the 13th, the screams, you know, Uh these, these OG slasher movies. And they took some of those concepts and turned them into, an entire story that's plaguing this town with just fucking murderers. <laughs> yeah. And that whole like reveal at the end of like why these towns, why sunny side is one way and why shady side is this way. Like it's super like, Oh fuck. Really? Holy. Yeah. Cause it, I, I will say I got through all three movies and it's like the last 45 minutes. I was like, Oh shit. I know what's going on. And I was like, they did a great job great because it job. took it's a long time. Yeah. And then one thing that they showed, and I was just like, no fucking way. Yeah. And it, it was amazing the way that they. So, so let's start with the first one. Yeah. Okay. So Fear Street 1994. Uh, this, one was, this one was really good for me. It, it is not my favorite, and we'll get there in a little bit. But 
to start with this one, especially for our age group, someone who grew up reading Goosebumps and Oral Stein, they played off of nostalgia perfectly to dig you into the series. Oh, yeah. Because it's the middle of the 90s. You've got the mall set up. And you've got this, like, everything that you saw was just old school from the kid playing on his computer with, like, old messenger oh. and just dial-up internet in 1994. It immediately was like... Holy shit. Like, I remember all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, which was a very interesting way to get me, like, sucked into the story. Um, but that 1994 one based what I would consider off of the Scream franchise. They kind of had sure, a Ghostface-esque yeah. killer. Um, it, it was real weird because unlike the second and the third movie, this first movie, you kind of had a combination of a lot of people um, as far as killer-wise. And we figured that out later on in the movie series, but whereas the second and the third movie were kind of based around one killer. The first one was like, Hey, by the way, like this is the culmination of like years and years and years and years and years of just murders. Yeah. So like, it was a really cool way again, not only it being in the nineties, but it got you interested in almost every aspect of, of what's going on in Shadyside. And it was just like, well, I'm like shit gets real weird, real yeah. fast. Um, and it does that great thing in horror movies where it just starts like almost immediately with a kill with like the whole mall thing. And you're like, the tension is building. Cause you kind of know what's going to happen, but you kind of don't single girl locking up the, the, her place of business. Was it like a Spencer's S kind of thing that she was working with? Or was it the bookstore? Sorry. I got it. confused. She was at the bookstore. She was at the bookstore. It was the other She's guy that was at like the head shoppy at the head shop. Thank you. And so they're locking up and you're thinking, okay, something's going to happen here. And then it does. And you're like, holy shit. And then it goes down and then the killer gets shot and you're like, oh, wait, no, that's no, the whole movie's supposed to be us trying to figure out who the killer is. Yeah. And but they, no, we find out. Holy crap. They tell you immediately. And you're like, wait, why was it that kid? They seem like they were, this is weird. It was weird. Uh, right off the bat though, the, the girl that starts the movie out is Robin from Stranger Things, uh, which was super cool to me because I like any anything Stranger Things. And as those movies progress, like every movie has someone from Stranger Things in it. Yeah. The second movie is based around Max. Uh, and then the third movie, I forget. I want to say it's... Uh, why can't I remember his name? The little black kid in Stranger Things. Oh, I, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, that... <laughs> Every there's like four different people from Stranger Things in those movies, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my hatred for this first one, and it carries through all three of them, and it's gonna sound real shitty, and I don't know how else to put it, but I'm gonna bring it up because it was the only thing that stuck out to me where I was like, "Fuck this, fuck that, get this shit out of my face." The main character, the the, I guess the two main characters will say. But the main, main character of the movie is a, a young girl, probably in her late teens. I think they're in high school um, and happens to be gay. She's a lesbian and she is going through the toughest teenage angst fucking the world hates me and I'm not good enough bullshit. And it carries through all three yeah. fucking movies. And I'll tell you where it like peaked for me, where I was like, fuck this bitch. Because, like, she's arguing with the, the other main girl, Sarah? Sarah? He Heather. Heather? Samantha? 
Samantha. Samantha. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. We'll there. There's so uh, many people. <laughs> I should have. I should have brought up my notes for this, but um. So she's arguing with Samantha. Apparently, they used to be together. They had this nice high school romance. The the one main girl is like a true blue lesbian, what I would imagine, and the other girl, Samantha, seems to be experimenting. Uh, with all that being said, she gets into this argument with her where she's like, oh, you just moved away because you didn't want to be close to me and you just had to go do this, knowing damn well that her parents moved her and the way that her home situation was already fucked up. And like, at about that time, Samantha turns to her and she said, you broke up with me. Because she gets this, like, oh, I don't deserve to be with her, and just all this fucking shitty, feel sorry for me pity party that this bitch goes through. And I'm just like, ugh, I hated the main character throughout all three movies, except in the third one. And she plays a different character in the third one. She was actually pretty good in that one. Um, But, like, her 1994-based character, fucking garbage. Fucking garbage. Yeah, she was she was super angsty. Like she was super like, the world is just shitting on me. The world sucks. It's like I feel like you're bringing a lot more of this drama to yourself. Yeah, she was that type of person. You know, but it is what it is. You can only do so much. uh, Yeah, I guess with with that. But like, so it goes on, uh, and then turns out killers are you know the 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 skull face killer starts lurking again, right? Yep. Just to kind of continue the story along. And so now they're on the run from this, you know, they're getting picked on by the Sunnyside folks who are the uh, opposing city or town or whatever you want to call it. Sunnyside's always beating Shady Side. Shady Side is just kind of a bunch of no they can't they can't ever win. They can't yeah. ever get ahead. They're just this is where the down and out go, blah blah blah. And the Sunnyside is where all the rich live and the successful. Imagine uh, for anybody that's seen Parks and Rec. It's it's Eagleton and Pawnee. Like that's what it is. Except Pawnee just constantly has a bunch of murders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really frequently. Um so uh is it Samantha's the one who who gets touched by the witch? Yes. And that's when they realize, oh, there's more to this, and so they try to unravel the secret of the witch. Yeah. So the entirety of the series is based off of you know, the town thinks they are cursed because of something that happened in, you guessed it, 1666. What? Um, and there was a witch back then that some shit went down and she got accused and murdered and she put a curse on the town. And that's yeah. why Shadyside is the way that it is. Uh, towards the end of that 1994 movie, you do start to get to see some of the other killers that have been talked about in the lore of the town. And they kind of go through some of these. With um, uh, the girl with the razor blade, Lane. I'm drawing blanks uh, on names now too. I know it, it's the worst. Tory I'm, Lane, I'm, I'm just... Rory Lane, That's... Tory Lane, um, something Lane for sure. Yeah, the camp killer. <laughs> uh, they the the one. See, this is where it gets interesting because they showed so many killers that they didn't actually yeah. get the backstory of a lot of them, which was kind of a bummer. And there is a lot of these killers where I want to see the shit go down, like from their perspective. The fucking the, kid in the, the baseball bat? The kid with the baseball bat, bro. <laughs> like, that that one was one where I was just like, that, like, fuck this little kid. You know, like, yeah. and he's banging his bat on the... No, fuck that little kid. Um, but anyways, so we get through 1994. Uh, towards the end of 1994, 
what's happening to Samantha is really like taking control of her. At this point, she is in a full blown fucking possession. Yeah. Um, in the end of the movie, 1994 is pretty much, it gets, it gets kind of crazy. Actually, there's like some stabbings and shit and there's like some sneakies. Um, <laughs> but they end up getting hold of a girl because they're trying to figure out how to fix Samantha. And they find out that during the 1978 murders, at the camp, which is a killer that we see in the 1994 movie, uh, survived. She was the only known survivor of any of these crazy murders. Uh, so they tried to get a hold of her and see how she survived and how you know she didn't keep getting hunted. Because what they found out now is that they believe anyone that's touched by the witch has the blood of Sarah Fry and is now being hunted by her killers. Uh, so... It gets real interesting towards the end and, and away from kind of how this movie ends because it really doesn't end right here, which is, come to find out, an awesome fucking way that they did this. Yeah. Uh, but the girl tells her, like, they finally get a hold of the girl that survived the killings in 78 and she says it's never over. And then, boom, cut to credits. Yeah. And uh, the 94 movie, again, what was cool about this is, like, we watched them as they came out and... I, only, I I knew I only had to wait a week. And, like, you know, I watched them on a Sunday. They're coming out on Fridays. Like, burn through the week, and Friday comes, and I'm like, oh, shit, the other Fear Street came out. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, it's not – like, it was it was just long enough to be a surprise, but not long enough for me to forget the events of what I just watched. Um, Anything else on the first one before we move along? Um, No, it's it's – yeah, basically the next part, yeah, it basically goes, okay, continued in 1978. And then we pick up in 1978, and uh, we pick up with Jillian Jacobs' character, uh, Cindy Berman, um, talking with them, and she goes, um, I don't want to I don't want to help you guys. Why have you brought them here? Blah, blah, blah. Leave. And then finally they break in. They tell her what's going on. They're like, well, I don't want to touch on this because that's basically the day that my sister died and so it does a nice fun flashback to 1978 where it picks up at camp Nightwing. on a lot of oh nightwing that's what it was yeah. that's right because i was like that's fucking cool batman character yeah <laughs> so the, the one cool thing that happens throughout all three movies is the way that they incorporate the original 1994 film uh is super cool and how they were able to go back in time while still continuing the story in current time was super smart of them. And I did not think that they were going to be able to pull it off the way that they did, but yet I was intrigued at every story. Now with 1978, like you said, they go to camp Nightwing. Uh, this is a dull camp. So you have both shady ciders and sunny ciders, uh, at the camp. Um, and it is based off of this Cindy girl, the, the girl that survived in 1978. So this is the story of how this killer came to be. And, for me, this was my favorite one. Now, as a big Friday the 13th fan, the whole camp-style murder stuff, it just, it lights me up. And this movie, like, took some liberties uh, and really earned its rated R. I will say, it. I, I think, personally, it really earned its rated R in this movie. Um, but it pretty much follows the story of Cindy, who's kind of a bitch. In a weird way, again, another <laughs> another girl that just yeah. nothing can seem to fucking go right for her. Like, everything's shitty. And to her, 
defense, like she's a weird one, oddly, and like she doesn't really fit in with the kind of stuff that all these other kids are doing in a weird way. And it doesn't seem like she's there by choice. Like this is a forced, uh, and her sister ends up being one of the camp counselors. Yeah. So, and so that's kind of why she's there. Cause something happened with their dad, right? Dad either died or left. Yeah. I think he just dipped. And so like their mom is having to work. And so like the best thing they could do is, you know, the ones working there for like, Oh, it looks good on a, a college application if i work and do this thing as a camp counselor so that's why i'm doing this and you know poor ziggy's there just going like i don't want to be here but they can't throw her out because what else are they gonna do yeah she she doesn't have anywhere to go and her it's kind of such an opposite uh dynamic between her and her sister because yeah she's kind of like an ousted loner kind of person whereas her older sister the camp counselor is like miss preppy prissy proper you know she is she's the perfect girl in essence that that's what she's portraying kind of is she is just the perfect hometown girl and you know it, it's kind of funny because like you, you this is what 16 years i think if my math is right um and he, it re, you really start to see just like how much the toll of being a shady cider like weighs on everyone that is because it's just the work of trying to get out of this this rotation of shittiness that's happening in this town. And, you know, Ziggy, the little sister, just assumes that there's no way out yeah. where her sister is really trying to show that she can get out of this shitty situation. Yeah. Um. So during this movie, they kind of get into, like, the turning of how these people kind of become killers and this, like possession style I, I i don't know what you would call it this parasite just, maybe something yeah it's just they get overcome by this urge to kill and, it's a curse yeah yeah that, i mean it truly really is, a curse. All it is um and we get our camp killer and again it was something that like when you see him in the first one he's got a burlap sack over his head you know like he's He's an axe murderer, like just your stereotypical somehow walks everywhere, but is still faster than fucking Usain Bolt. <laughs> like, I just don't understand what it is. And uh, So you get this guy. And again, it's, he seems it's a normal dude. It, it, he's a, he's a normal ass guy. And, and all of a sudden it just takes a turn for the worst. And, you know, you want to talk about red in some guy's eyes. This man showed it. Yeah. Uh, this is Tommy. Um, just, uh, he was, uh, dating one of the, or, or wanting to get with Cindy, if I believe, right? Uh, y- yes. And so yes. he gets possessed and starts, uh, taking people out. But what's interesting about this is like the counselors actually seem like they're trying to like, you know, they don't just freak out like, ah, whatever, you know, they're like, no, everybody here. So we can actually like fortify and try to defend all the kids and there's like this weird color war that's happening between the shady side versus sunny side where they capture each other. And like, you know, whoever wins at the end of the day gets bragging rights for the next year. Or yeah. There's some real, like real bullying oh happening in this God. movie between the kids, like some fucking savagery shit, you know, like from the point of, of some of the sunny siders, like burning yeah. Ziggy and shit like they were gonna burn this girl like she was a witch 
to the point where her friends were like, yo, you need to chill. Like, this shit is getting too real. And she was a murderer. That girl's a murderer. And, uh, but without getting into all the crazy murderers, the one thing I will give this movie is it did two things that I did not expect. First of all, the gore. Like, they, they took the gore in this one to another level with the axe murders, the special effects and everything that they used for the murders. It, it, was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was, imagine if, if Jason was an A-horror movie. That's what they did. Like, Friday the 13th, if they had great special effects and everything, this one did it. It, it showed you people getting their fucking faces chopped in with axes. The thing that surprised me the most is when the children get murdered. Yeah. Like, holy shit, you know? I'm expecting all the kids, like the counselors, you're 100% getting murdered. All the counselors are getting murdered. All right? There's like 11-year-old kids getting fucking chippity-chopped. And it was like, the first time it happened, I was like, what the fuck? Like, they <laughs> like killed the, the kids. He wow. killed the kids. Um, yeah, dude. The, the, the kid killing in this one was surprising to me. Very surprising. But it's nice to see that stuff because it really does make, like, this situation is dire because, like, if the kids ain't making it, who is going to make yeah, it? Yeah, no, this guy's on a spree at this point. Like, oh, no, it, no one cares. Like, everyone's just dying. Even the innocent kids dying. The guilty kids dying. Fucking, it did not matter, right? Everyone's fucking dying. Um, so, uh, before we move on to the next one, this one kind of, again, is the story of Tommy, how he becomes a sex murderer in the camp. Uh, you see how he gets his burlap sack at the very end of it, which is kind of cool, because this is her defense. Um, to like try to throw him off. And this is where you kind of see that it's, it's not them, you know, it's, it's a weird yeah. controlling thing because he's got a burlap sack, but he's still on a mission. Doesn't worry about taking the bag off of his head. Nothing like that. Like this dude is controlled by something greater than him because it needs yeah. no eyesight. Like he's fueled by murder at this point. It's, it's straight up Terminator hunting John Connor. That's, you know, like singular vision this is what I got. Anything gets my way, I, I go through it. Yeah, yeah, um, 100%. They also do a good job in this one at setting up, like, they're literally set up on top of, like, the camp is on top of the witch's burial ground. Yep. And they kind of set that up in, like, this weird, like, uh, you know, cult, occult kind of uh, uh, symbols and stuff. And, like, they they touch onto it without actually, like, going into it because that's what this next movie is about so and then come to find out the mall is actually built on top of the old campground camp. so it's yeah. like they're literally building the stories on top of each other so it's like you got the witches burial ground the campground and then the mall so the it mall. all kind of it's kind of a nice little fun little try wizard yeah. tournament yeah. yeah so this one is cool because <laughs> this is the first time that you actually kind of get to see the workings of the witch um whereas they find like pretty much the witch's old house. Uh, and underneath this house is, a, you know, uh, I don't want to call it a temple. What am I, what's the word I'm looking for here? A coven. Uh, yeah. You, you uh, find the witch office, the witch office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this witch office, contrary to what you think it would look like, is still being used, apparently. Uh, but this is the first time you really kind of get to see the workings and the like myth of the witch kind of come to fruition. 
and it's like, oh shit, like it's this is a real thing. Like there's some there's some funky shit going on here. Um, so as all of this happens, they start playing into why this girl survived this killer because as you've seen most of the movie at this point no one's surviving this motherfucker and right about the time you think they are going to survive they don't they don't fucking they don't. Chip, chippity chop chippity chip chop chop uh and what was cool about this is it's if i'm not mistaken is two different characters right or two different killers at this point, uh, you have the axe guy and then um, uh, the, like, doctor with the fucked up face. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the one that we don't know anything about, but he's there. Yeah. And then the lover's, lover's lane gal. Yes. Is running around as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, again, you just, right about the time I, you think, like, oh, it's going to happily ever after. No, it fucking ain't. That fucking murder. It's just murder. Because yeah. you're like, wait, wait, but she survived. How? How she dead, but she survived. So, come to find out, they think that once you die, whatever curse is sitting on you gets relieved. And so, flash forward back to 1994, and what do you think they do? They're going to try to kill this bitch and then bring her back to life. Because that's how it's supposed to end. Uh, the second one was my favorite. you know, And I think I'm biased with it. Because of my love for Friday the 13th, the whole camp culture thing, like, is something I absolutely adore. Uh, this one turned out great. It was better than I expected it to be, and it got me excited for the third one. And, and this one, right, wasn't this the one where they have to figure out, like, oh, we have to return the hand of Sarah Frey back yes. to the body to, All right, okay, yeah. Yep, so they end up, you know, inadvertently finding the grave to Sarah Frey. Uh, and then realizing that the curse is because her hand was taken and it needs to be reunited with her body. Well, now they know where her body's at and come to find out in 1978, they found her hand. So now they know where the hand's at and huh, brings us to the third movie. The hand again, back in 1994 is now buried beside her hanging tree in the very mall where all of this shit started. I guess ended. Um, so, so through Dina, we get a cool little vision and that basically like soups her right back into the six, six, 1666. And that's where we pick up with part three is basically Dina getting put into Sarah Fry's body. She to live is the event. Sarah Fry. The coolest part of this, this last movie, again, they just, somebody should get paid more because it was so impressive. Because they used every character yeah. from the first two movies to pretty much show as ancestors to this town. Yeah. Like, so all the people from the first two movies are now in 1666 as part of the original town folk settlement, which I thought was so fucking smart. So like, it was so good. So good. Um, the third one. For me, it goes two, three, one. That's how I rank them. Uh, the third one, I did not expect to be as good as what it was. Oof. Um, and to go through the story of Sarah Fry and how she ended up where she ends up at. And this one, look, I'll be honest. We're going to kind of cut some corners in this third one because there is a lot of plot stuff that I do not want to ruin, especially because it is the end of the movie. So this will be the quicker of the two. You're going to get spoilers in the first two. I won't give as many spoilers in this one. 
Um, the sixteen sixty six stuff was just so well done in the sense that like it, it's just the witch hunts, man. It, it yeah, the, they're witch hunts, and if, if for anybody that's ever looked at any witch hunt stuff, the reasoning to kill these women were so just baseless bullshit that they were just murdering them for coughing. You know, like that's just a witch style. Yeah. Oh, so, she's slightly uppity. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, she has she has an opinion. <laughs> she won't sleep with me like fucking witch. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> for something that that this kind of you know, they call it the union, I think. So the settlement that eventually turns into shady yep. shady side. Um and it, it is exactly that. It's a witch hunt. Some like shitty stuff starts happening inside the settlement that they can't explain stuff that shouldn't in theory be happening. Um, and someone's got to get blamed for it. And, and at that time, w- which is weird because at that time there was a witch, you know, like they had a, a outcast, if you will, yeah. um, for the settlement. One that was probably practicing true blue witchcraft. Oh, <laughs> um, so, but, so like like we said, it, this kind of goes to the story of how Sarah Fry gets blamed uh, yeah. for a lot of the stuff that's happening in this town right now. A lot of the, the, the shitty things that they can't explain get blamed on witchcraft. And it just so happens that Sarah Fry is kind of a weirdo anyway. Um, and she gets blamed for it all. So what was really interesting, and again, I'm not going to get into a lot of the details of this story, but... They did something in this movie that uh, I I should have been expecting but wasn't. And they kind of split this movie into like three quarters and one quarter. Because yeah. this one ends with 1994 part two. Which was very interesting to just wrap the entire thing back around. Yeah. You, you just figured, oh, okay, it's continued in 1978. Because we're going to go backwards and we're going to figure out the thing. Forgetting that we hadn't even wrapped up the story in 1994. We just no. were like, okay, I guess that's all we get of that. And then, but nope. And surprise, again, surprise. like. Part two. Yeah. So it was so cool how they did it. Because right before you get to that cut, you know, to where it cuts to 1994 part two, they give it all to you. In a yeah. very short minute and a half, like, flashpoint presentation pretty much. They they give you the entire story just fucking right there. Boom. Um, and it is it is absolutely insane. Like it is one of the most impressive things. Like coming from watching the Avengers and everything, especially to be a rated R young adult horror trilogy. The yeah. way like you said it best in the beginning, the way they Tarantinoed this fucking movie to just to inception me back around to the beginning. It, it was <laughs> it was so impressive. And like I said, like. Through everything that happened in all three movies, you think you have the story locked down. You do not. Because they do it in such a secretive, unassuming way that when it finally hits you, you're like, motherfucker. Like, yeah. this this is, is the shit. And like I said, right before you get to cut to the ending of not only this movie, but this trilogy, they give it to you. And, you know, I watched it with my better half. And like it, like I caught it immediately. But if you're not paying attention, you could miss it. And like it, 
not only was I surprised when I like saw their little hand, their little foreshadow or whatever, but if you don't catch it, it's still such a good fucking surprise because yeah. seeing me being like, oh shit, I know what's happening. Like, I know what's happening. Like, no fuck away. I know what's happening. And then it happens and you're like, holy fuck, I can't believe they did this shit. It, it just, they, they ended that movie and wrapped that story up in such a way that even though there were two movies previous to it, I would have never guessed they were going to do it with that one. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It, it's, and yeah, if you're paying attention to it, it really does like spill it out. Like, here's the deal, man. Right here, good is bad. I'll just give you that. Like, yeah, that's that's what it is. And like, you're like, oh, that's so freaking cool. And then for us to go back, it makes me wonder if we go back and watch it again as like a second thing, do the whole thing. If there'll be nuggets that we didn't catch the yeah. first time, where we're like, oh yeah, oh that makes sense why he would do that. That's why he seems like he's such a good guy. But in truth, he's the bad guy. It, yeah. Again, don't want to spoil like the end of it because it it definitely deserves like unlike again, we've done a we just did a nostalgia section about a movie that came out in 2021. Um about books that came out in the 90s. So, it, that that should hold some weight to how good this set of movies were. And it it may go down as one of my top things that Netflix has ever done. Like you know, and they're putting out nothing but good content right now. But this one, the hype building up to the release of this, mm-hmm. the actual how the release dates went with the one after another in a week thing, it just, it was the most well-rounded, perfect movie trilogy I think I've ever seen. Not in the sense that, oh my God, it's the best movie trilogy I've ever seen, but for stuff that is so disappointing sometimes when it gets so much hype, yeah. for them to not only fulfill all the hype that they got but to made it even better they made it even better than i i would have ever guessed that they would have made it um story wise acting wise everything about that movie and the trilogy as a whole was was beyond anything that i would have put put it to like it's it's quite the achievement to pull off something like this because normally like a trilogy is like you know Ba ba ba! You wait a year, you get the next one. You wait a year, you get the next exactly. one. You wait, you know. But like this was such a good way to do it because you had that week and only a week to be like, okay, here's my thoughts, here's my theories on what's going to happen in the next one, and it's such an odd thing because I'm thinking backwards on the, where we are now to how it connects instead yeah. of like where are they going to go with it. Now it's where have they been with it, and it's such a fun idea, and and it, I. Don't think there's ever been anything like this before where it does, you know, besides inside of a singular movie like Tarantino does where he'll start at the end and work to the beginning. This is three movies where he worked. They worked from the the, the end to the beginning, back to the beginning, but then they circled it back around to get to the end to end the whole thing. It's such yeah, a cool, and they did such like, a good way of jumping from story to story without discombobulating you or confusing you on where you were at or what was going on or who was who. Like they just the way that they incorporated all three stories into all three stories in such a weird way was like a perfect mixture of juggling stuff as well as it being like for the layman's, yeah. you know, like I was never confused when we were, you know, time jumping, which in a lot of movies can't do that very well, but they time well, jumped in such a way that the story rolled so well through all, not only all three movies, but through all the time jumps that they did. 
And I think that it helped that they did such differentiating. Like 94 is so different from 78, is yeah. so different from 1666 that it was easier to be like, wait, that's the same person from 94, but I know they're a different person because they they look different. Their their yeah. garb is different and they talk slightly different, which was kind of cool to hear. Kind of slightly British accent. It, it was weird. But not quite, but not quite British, you know, like that early settler kind of like we're not English anymore, but we're not quite America. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very, I'm, that probably had to have been the hardest acting chops of any of that was like trying yeah. to either keep that accent or fall out of that accent. Um, yeah. It was a very interesting choice because they didn't have to do that, which was one of those other things that that's a good point that you bring up too, because, because they didn't have to do that. It made me notice it so much more and it brought more to the story in my opinion. Yeah. Like it really what gave you that old time, like, settlers feel like pre America pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was pre America, but it, I mean, like yeah. it, it was just that, like that perfect in between of like, yeah, just pre America. It's just pre America back when we were just murdering people for fucking coffin. Oh wait, we're doing that now. Um, anyways, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. We are going a little bit long here today. So unless you have anything else on the fear street series, uh, we will start to wrap this thing up. No, this is fantastic. If if the books were anywhere near as good as this, no, they were film series. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. They, the the books were fine, and I'm sure, like, if I went back, like, the stories would probably be pretty good. But the, look, at the end of the day, they weren't rated R. You know, sure, and, sure, sure. But I mean, even if they were like good, spooky, like, ooh, okay, like a a grade above Goosebumps because Goosebumps were what they are. A little spooky if you're a kid, but if you're an adult reading him, you're like, all right. It that, makes me wonder. I think that's the problem. The yeah, I'm curious on how they stand the test time, especially as an adult. Because I can go back yeah. and read Goosebumps for nostalgia because I know what it was when I read it. You know, Fear Street was like falling out of my realm. Yeah. About the time. Like, it it was just such a in-between time that you're right. Maybe maybe we should go back and read a couple of these just to see if they were just be like, see if how young good. adult were they? Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. based on the movie, I'm like, I don't remember the books being like this fucking real. Yeah, no. But what what if they were? What if they were like seriously like this is pretty hardcore for like 1990s young adult from R. Yeah. L. Side. <laughs> yeah. Um. All in all, I will say I was greatly surprised, and I suggest anybody that has Netflix or just genuinely likes campy horror movies. Watch this. It is a must watch. Well, I'll give it all the fucking Cheeto fingers in the world. Like, all of them. Because uh, it, is, it is fantastic. It's streaming on Netflix now. And because Netflix did so good, you can watch all three of them. Bang, bang, bang the drum. Right? Knock them out. Um, but yeah, there you have it. Fear Street, the trilogy. 94, 78, and 66 of 1600. With that being said, uh, unless you have anything else, we will wrap this thing up. That's it for this week, my friend. Cool. As always, you guys can find me at Retronomapod across the board, uh, and we'll pimp it out. The website, best place to not only get a hold of us, uh, but to check out some of our stuff. We have YouTube channel. We got a Facebook page. The Facebook group is a great way to not only enjoy some other content, but be able to throw your suggestions on content you want to hear about. Um, but you can find all the links to that and more at the website, retronomapod.com. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, well, just to kind of, uh, 
do like we always do to finish out the week, to finish out the episode, the weird question of the week. You just got your dream job of being an ice cream man. What tune do you have as your ice cream jingle? <laughs> this one's going to be so fucking fun, dude. We appreciate you guys stopping and listening to this week's episode of the Retro Pod. We love you, and we will catch you next week. Good night.